Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's very scary Halloween episode. What's our spookiest picks for horror movies? Our creepy thoughts for this week in the NFL. And what costumes has us ready to scream? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. <laughs> Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's a Halloween edition here. But it wouldn't be a Halloween edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos without Dracula himself. He is the scariest being at Humanican Media. You have to check out everything going on at Humanican Media today at humanicanmedia.com, on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and a lot more. And I'll promise to stop talking like this after I say it's Josh Peterson. Scary times ahead, my friend. <laughs> hey, Gerald. Speaking of scary, you guys can now check out Ghost Toasters on the Humanican Media YouTube channel. That was a shameless plug, but I'm good, man. I love <laughs> Halloween voice. Speaking of Dracula, I have been watching Castlevania, and I'm digging it. I think Adi Shanker is full of himself, but he did a good job with this anime. It looks like it's still getting a lot of good reception. I know the first season really came off well, so I'm looking forward to a lot of more great things on the Castlevania series. Hopefully, it'll get picked up for another season at Netflix. So, definitely looking forward to seeing more when it comes to Castlevania and Netflix. But we've got an outstandingly spooky show for you today. We've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. It's week eight in the NFL. We recap it with a couple items. The Fitzmagic is back to pour some magic dust all over your trick-or-treat Halloween, plus his thoughts on some spooky things when it comes to horror movies as well. Plus, we also have Jason Todd Feinberg from Hunnickween. He is stopping by to share his thoughts on the top horror movies you need to see, in his opinion, being our resident horror movie expert You've got to listen to what he's got to say on some ones that everybody knows that they haven't seen, that they should see, and a couple that are out of the way that you may want to go ahead and check out as well because they definitely will provide a spooky time this Halloween. And then on the back end, Josh and I are going to be sharing our favorite picks for horror movies this Halloween that you might want to tune into. Some of them you know as well, and some of them you may want to think about Next time, you go ahead and check it out on a streaming service or when you grab a DVD or Blu-ray. But first off, my friend, want to talk to you about some of the trends going on with Halloween and pop culture. I know over the course of the past few years, especially when I was running Halloween stores, I got to see that popular culture and blend come into Halloween with everybody going for the latest and greatest when it comes to what's trending and very popular each and every year when it comes to Halloween costumes. I've got a list for you, my friend, of the top 10 most popular Halloween costumes for 2018. This list was created out of what people are looking for and searching for on Google. So you ready, man? Here comes some scary times, my friend, because Give me your thoughts, first off, when you talk about a standard, good old-fashioned princess costume being at number 10 on the list. 
princesses aren't popular. They've never been popular. That's ludicrous. What are you? What? 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 Why? Speak for yourself, man. Record Ralph Two is going to prove to you that princesses rock, man. You just got to deal with it. You got to live with it. It was funny. I was looking at pictures of Comic Con. It was the the four whatever four states, four corners Comic Con, whatever it is. And there's a picture of these girls who had dressed up as princesses, but they were hipster Disney princesses. So they were, you know, they had the glasses on and the like the coffee and the Mumford and Sons memorabilia or whatever. So it's it's kind of funny. But yeah, princesses are always going to be popular. You have the, the little girls, especially like the li- little girls and even like older girls. Like you have companies who it's their sole like purpose, like their existence revolves around dressing up like princesses and going to parties where other little girls are dressed up like princesses so interesting shift in media right there but no honestly as long as disneyland and disney world and just disney in general exists princesses are going to be popular as someone who is a father of two awesome daughters that at one time wanted to be princesses that definitely does not come as a surprise at number nine this one was a surprise to me that it's in the top 10 i just didn't realize that it was going to be that popular. Again, it's a standard costume that we've seen every now and then that I thought, well, when I was managing Halloween stores, it was okay. It was kind of popular, but it really wasn't that popular that it stuck out that much. But for some reason this year, it has now landed itself on the most wanted costumes for 2018. Let me guess. Gerald Glassford costume. No, no, no. I actually probably was number 11 or 12. So number nine, a rabbit. How do you feel about people wanting to be a rabbit this Halloween? Is this like a one of those sexy rabbits, or is this just a, a rabbit rabbit? I don't know. Just rabbit rabbit. Just People just type in the word rabbit costumes, and it goes from there. That's interesting. I would have never guessed that that would be a popular costume. Sexy rabbits, maybe. Kind of like the Playboy rabbit or bunny. Is that a rabbit? And, and that part, I've, you know, that has sold well when I, like I said, I was managing Halloween stores and whatnot, but... I didn't think it was to that point where people would start going to that. I think more these days people are looking just to put on the bunny hat or or hop around in the bunny suit and, and go from there. But yeah, that's kind of weird that actually actually would fall into number nine because I could have thought of a lot of other things that might have fell into that nine spot ahead of being a rabbit. Number eight. Now, this is traditional, my friend, and this is something that shouldn't come as too much of a surprise because it was something that I've seen over the years is a relatively popular costume, and that is a pirate. What are your thoughts on pirate landing at number eight? That actually doesn't surprise me. Anytime like you go to Target or you go to Rite Aid even on their Halloween aisle, like the most prominent costume there, they have werewolves, vampires, and pirates. Like that's just par for the course when it comes to halloween costumes but uh it's not just like the sexy pirate costumes you know it's people actually wanting to dress up like jack sparrow or long john silver or whatever and i think it's thanks a lot to media you know you have black sails and pirates of the caribbean so a lot of movies out there that are bringing the pirate thing back next on the list i'm not too surprised it's on the list but i'm surprised it's this low and i guess it's just a general inquiry of it but superhero is next at number seven and with all the superhero movies that have come out recently and all the superhero movies that are on the way i'm not too surprised anyone wants to be a superhero this halloween that's yeah that doesn't surprise me at all that's uh that's always been a thing though they always will be even before superhero movies were out kids were still wanting to be superman batman iron man whatever and those are costumes that i've seen kids recycle them and use them the next years they're costumes that as long as you're you haven't outgrown them you can wear them year after year but i'm kind of surprised that they blended it all into one because i also will see later in the list those elements might pop up again but in a more specific fashion so it's kind of interesting to see that superhero is only at number seven especially after all the superhero movies that have come out that it's not quite as high as you would think it would be when you're talking about a superhero costume. Why is there no Quail Man costume is the real question. Oh, why? Why? Or maybe it comes up under the search. Maybe that's why. And people just go from there. Number six. This one comes as no surprise because in recent times, her costume has really become a favorite with ladies young and old out there. And that is Harley Quinn. Not a surprise at all. I actually kind of thought it would be a little bit higher, but then again, 
We're about two years away from the Suicide Squad at its height and its peak of Harley Quinn madness. So maybe it's sliding down a little bit on the scale until we see the Birds of Prey, the Joker prequel movie, the Suicide Squad 2. Once those movies come out, I expect her to rise back up the list very quickly. You know, it's funny. I've been like scrolling through Instagram and seeing some of my friends and like they're dressing up as Harley Quinn ironically because it was such a popular costume last year. They're dressing up as her this year thinking that it's it's like jokingly. So that's funny because it makes me think that everyone has the same idea. And it, it's not surprising. It's an easy costume to do, I guess, for a lot of people. But, you know, I'd rather have Harley Quinn out there than a, a load of uh, Anna or Elsa's. Got to get that bat ready. But next on the list, we have something that is a standard one, and I've seen it a hundred times before. And this one's also a real traditional type of Halloween costume, and that is a witch. So it looks like witches are still popular around Halloween time. It lands at number five on the top 10 list of most popular Halloween costumes for 2018. Well, didn't Hocus Pocus put out a sequel this year, didn't they? That was uh... Charmed. Charmed. Is it Charmed? Charmed, yeah. Charmed actually is one of the most popular shows. And I'll be talking about that later this week on our Friday show with Jessica Box from the TV Ratings Guide about that show and more. But yes, I believe Charmed is one of the better successes of the TV season, especially when it comes for the CW in its rookie season. It's done pretty good, so... Yeah, I can understand why there's now a renewed fascination for witch costumes. Also, at some point, I do want to talk to you about Sabrina, BT dubs. There you go. Even more. Sabrina, that show has done very well. I I think I can see why that witch costumes are now back in vogue and landing at number five on the top 10 list. Number four is also something that I've seen from time to time, although I'm kind of surprised it's at number four. If somebody had told me this, costume is on the list i would have told you it probably would have been on the tail end but a dinosaur is now the fourth most requested costume for 2018 is that the inflatable one or just specific dinosaur these are remember these are just things that people are typing up on searches for halloween costumes just relating to the word dinosaur the inflatable dinosaur one sells pretty well year round because it is like at the heart of pretty much almost every viral video out there these days so that doesn't surprise me someone just putting on a a standard foam dinosaur mask and costume i don't understand that but hey to each their own my first halloween costume was a dinosaur homemade remember you used to be able to buy those fabric kits that had the little dinosaur stuff and you had to sit there and your mom or grandma would have to sit there and sew it together for you and they would do it begrudgingly but then you know they got a bunch of family photos out of it what type of dinosaur were you? Tyrannosaurus Rex? What kind were you? I want to say I was a Stegosaurus. I had the spikes on the tail. Yeah, I was a Stegosaurus. That was my favorite dinosaur when I was a kid. It was a Stegosaurus. I had a bunch of Stegosauruses, boys, and all that stuff. Well, there you go. There you go. Stegosaurus, indeed. Number three to me is not a surprise because when I've gone to Halloween stores, I've seen a lot of people requesting it. I've seen a lot of people trying them on. And I'm not surprised at all because of new fascination. Maybe it's because of Deadpool or what have you. But number three is Unicorn as being the third most popular choice for people searching on Google for Halloween costumes for 2018. That's a little surprising. Yeah, I would have never thought Unicorn would be popular. I know it's funny to some people, but... Never, uh, never, never imagined that. I know that there is a whole culture of people out there who like to dress up like horses, but yeah, unicorns would have never guessed it. I've seen this in action as far as a lot of people in unicorn costumes or unicorn merchandise that they've had or wearing unicorn t-shirts of a recent note. And of course, the relationship between unicorns and Deadpool as far as some of the advertising that he's used for Deadpool 2 Also as well, the shirts that he's worn while riding the unicorn. So it's made it more famous, more, I guess, elaborate. And and a lot of people are really digging it. And like you said, it's funny. It's kind of an interesting thing to look at. And it's still at the same time, still to younger audiences, still provides some sort of fascination as far as the unicorn is concerned. When Deadpool's not on the list, my friend, I'll give you that hint right away, which was truly surprising to me. But at number two is another Marvel superhero 
which doesn't fall under the superhero category generically by itself, which was number seven. But at number two, Spider-Man. Now, mind you, this is something for many years has been really popular. So I'm not too surprised with that. But at number two, Spider-Man being above all the other Superman, Batman, or even Marvel characters at this point in time with the success of Infinity War is a little surprising, to say the least. You know what? I've always wanted one of those actual, like, professionally made Spider-Man costumes. I don't know why. I don't think I'll ever buy one, but I've always wanted one. When I was a kid, I always wanted one, and I never got it. Maybe you can get it on clearance on November 1st. I hope so. That'd be cool. But yeah, because you you know you want the kind that has the legitimate mask. You don't want the bit. Remember they used to have that big old plastic thing you strapped to your face. If you're gonna do superhero costume, you want to do it right. Granted, you can't have like an, a legit Iron Man costume unless you want to pay four or five grand for it. But like with the Spider Man thing, you want the legit mask so you can like rip it over your face, and you want to have it to like your hands go into gloves and actual like booties on your feet, you know, instead of like the little fabric that hangs over your shoes. If you're going to do Spider-Man, you got to do it right. You have to do it right. Well, I'm surprised a little bit that he is so far ahead of costumes like Thanos, Captain America, Iron Man, Deadpool, Superman, Batman, like I was saying before. None of those characters are on this list. But he is, which speaks volumes about the success of Spider-Man Homecoming, Tom Holland's performance in Infinity War, and the prospects of Spider-Man Homecoming 2 and the whole Spider-Verse and the second part of Infinity War and whatnot moving forward. So a lot of people are excited to be Spider-Man. Young boys, young girls out there want to play their own version of Spider-Man or Spider-Woman. So it's great to see that a lot of people are still interested in the Spider-Verse kind of produced a semi-successful Venom movie, so it looks like going forward there's a lot of good things to see and hear and read about when it comes to Spider-Man, the animated film coming out in December as well. So Spider-Man is still a success story at number two as the second most requested Halloween costume for 2018. So we're up to number one, my friend, on the top 10 most requested costumes for 2018. Take a guess. It's Like I said, it's not a superhero so what do you think it would be for 2018? If you t- I had to take a guess. Moana. You're slightly off on that. I'm sorry, my friend. You just didn't quite get it. At number one is everybody's favorite video game, Fortnite. Anything relating to Fortnite characters, whether it's the llama, whether it's any of the Fortnite characters in the game, that is the most requested by far. It looks like right now it's the top search costume in 43 states. and. My gosh, all over the country, people are just going Fortnite crazy. Yes, it's almost 80 million concurrently playing it. So it's no wonder why Fortnite and all of its great characters are now the most popular costume to get this Halloween. No, but when I step outside on Halloween night, I do want to see two people in Fortnite costumes, one of them in a shopping cart and the other one just chucking pieces of wood everywhere as they're going around, you know, building ramps and stuff. I have a feeling you will. I have a feeling at least the shopping cart will be accommodated. And you'll see a lot of llamas. You'll see a lot of Fortnite characters. And you'll see a few shopping carts every now and then when it comes to this week and Halloween. What are your thoughts out there on the top 10 list for most search Halloween costumes on Google this year in 2018? Want to hear your thoughts? PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can let us know what you're wearing for Halloween. Send us pictures if you want us to put it on our Pop Culture Cosmos page on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send it to us. We'd love to go ahead and share with everybody out there what you're looking like for Halloween, what you're dressing up as. What did you think of the list? Any surprises in them? Let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts this Halloween. Coming up next, we've got Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. He's going to throw in a couple thoughts on horror movies as well, but also wrap up week eight in the NFL. After that, we've got Jason Todd Feinberg from Hunnic Queen as our horror movie expert. The horror movies you should get that'll give you a scare and a bump in the night this Halloween. And right after that, Josh and I are going to be sharing our thoughts on some of our horror picks 
that you should see this Halloween coming up later in the program. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. <laughs> Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. the show once again it is gerald glassford coming right back at you here but it certainly wouldn't be a spooky fantasy football patriot podcast without the fantasy football guru he is the main man at the fantasy football patriot podcast facebook group you just sign up it's that easy and you'll get all the information that everybody's out there dishing out on the Facebook group in regards to waiver wire pickups, trades, a lot of things going on in who you need to pick up for your bye weeks and so much more. Plus you get all the latest information on all of our episodes as well. It is my good friend, the man who is, I guess, got some scary scores this weekend. It is Mr. Tyler Baker. What's going on, my friend? I'm doing well, buddy. How are you? Trying to make sure that everybody out there has a safe, and happy halloween yes absolutely tell you what though it is still a great time to be a football fan we're just starting to get really into it now baseball is finito it's done Mm. and now it's just a lot of our attention now focuses on the nfl entirely one less distraction out there (laughs) things are going great right now for a lot of teams in the nfl if you're a Saints fan, if you're a Patriots fan, things are really looking good for you. If you're a Rams fan, but not quite a Packers fan, even though basically it was a home game again in Los Angeles, <laughs> if you got a chance to check that game out. So I ask my friend, there's a lot of th- things going on for fantasy owners. Another week is coming up upon us that people have to make a lot of adjustments and think about what they're going to do because another serious bye week is here in the NFL. There were definitely interesting things that happened. I, I think probably the biggest one was Jameis Winston putting up those Nate Peterman numbers <laughs> there in Cincinnati, getting benched. And wouldn't you know, just in time for Halloween, we get some Fitz magic. So Fitz, the Fitz magic is back. The Fitz magic is back. Trick or treat, we don't know yet. But I don't think they bench Fitzpatrick going into next week. Jameis Winston, just four picks. The last one was a pick six. They finally yanked him. Fitzpatrick comes in 11 for 15, 194 yards and two touchdowns. Brings them right to the brink of coming back in that game. And Cincinnati kicks a last second field goal. So, yeah, Fitzmagic is back. And you know what? I fought it for the early part of the season because we knew Winston was coming back. And we know what we have in Fitzpatrick. But now we really know what we have in Jameis Winston. And it is bad. Coming off of the bye week, he drops an absolute stinker, gets yanked. And then Fitzpatrick comes in. And he's the spark that that team needs. And remember this week, Deshaun Jackson was requesting a trade. Well, he had an okay to date. Now his touchdown did come from Winston, but what we definitely learned is that Ronald Jones, the second is not going to come in and take over this backfield. I thought maybe after the bye, you know, they would kind of regroup and come out, but Peyton Barber was definitely the number one back here. 
So, hey, you know, as far as Tampa Bay is concerned, they're not looking too good in the standings, but I'll tell you, the Fitzmagic is back. And this leads into a larger question here that I want to talk about when it comes to the future of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Mm-hmm. They'll probably be looking for a quarterback. Fitzpatrick is a little bit on the older side. Even if he is successful for the rest of the season, it's still something that they probably have to look at. I'm sure they're probably not thinking about Fitzpatrick as a long-term solution. Does this mean it's going to be the end of Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay? Unless there's an injury that happens, do you see Jameis Winston actually getting the ball back as a starting quarterback in the Tampa Bay system? Or do you see him having to go elsewhere and trying to resurrect his career somewhere else? Yeah, as far as this season, you know what? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to do on a week-to-week basis what they think that they need to do to win. And we've seen bad Fitzpatrick before. I mean... (laughs) Well, he only had one bad half. And all it took was one bad half for him to get pulled because that was a very short lease. Even after the fact that he had three straight 400-yard games, had his jersey sent to the Hall of Fame, had one bad (laughs) half, and out he went. But they were committed to Jameis Winston at the beginning of the season. Their future at least from what we know, is in Jameis Winston. Maybe they need to just sit Winston on the bench, work on some things, maybe work on some things in practice. Keep in mind, he's still a young quarterback. As far as long-term, I don't think that they're going to give up on Jameis Winston. In the short term, how do you bench Fitzmagic? I mean, I think if you take Fitzpatrick out of the starting lineup, you you, you lose the locker room at this point, especially coming in and doing a pretty awesome comeback, even though they didn't win the game. He, he put them back into that game. How do you bench him? Maybe if Dirk Cutter loses his job, then they just scrap the whole thing and start over again. I don't know. But how do you bench him? You've already got a receiver asking for a trade, and now they have a spark at quarterback. How do you put him on the bench? And Deshaun Jackson actually loves to play with Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick. In fact, he was the one early on in the Fitzmagic era yeah. earlier this season that dressed him up, <laughs> yeah. the beard and the clothes and all that. This might get him to want to stay for at least the rest of the season and, and going forward because he does have that kinship with mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. What does that mean, though, in a larger detail for fantasy football owners? Should they start thinking about reclaiming Ryan Fitzpatrick again off the waiver wire? Because I know a lot of teams dumped him yes. as soon as the fact that he became a which backup. Which was a good move, which, which was absolutely a good move because, well, you and I talked about it. There was going to be a very short leash, and they gave him that short leash. Wait, Jameis Winston is their guy. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> Jameis Winston stunk it up today. And so now what I think you're going to see is you're going to see a leash on Fitzpatrick, but I think it's going to be a much longer leash. So as far as you know, going and picking him up, if you're hurting at quarterback, sure, because there are some weapons on that offense we've already seen at the beginning of the season. He knows how to use those weapons on, on the offense. I think Fitzpatrick is a viable waiver wire option now. One last thing before we head on out. I'm just going to mm-hmm. ask you, my friend, since the theme of Halloween and what we're doing here at the Pop Culture Cosmos is all about the horror movie genre, Ooh, my friend. Yeah. I got to hear yours, my friend. Your thoughts on things that have scared you really got your attention over the years when it comes to the horror movie genre. When I was a kid, (laughs) going and watching Alien. Now, my mom didn't know that Alien was going to be as spooky as it was. But let me tell you, that movie scared the crap out of me when the thing jumped on the guy's face and then and then a little while later in the movie you have an alien presenting itself out of a man's abdomen i think that that was scary and scarring (laughs) at the same time Um, and then um i know this might sound kind of dumb but silence of the lambs for me was a really spooky movie Almost as scary as watching Nathan Peterman throw to the other team so many times during the day, or almost as horrifying as a John Gruden offense. Oh, nice. Well, you know, uh, I think Jameis Winston is going to go trick-or-treating as Nate Peterman (laughs) this year. Seems like that could be the case. (laughs) He had his Nate Peterman mask on for sure. It looked like it indeed. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. My friend, it's so great to have you on the show this Halloween. Again, to everybody out there, make sure you stay in tune to our show, but also stay in tune to your leagues because it is 
bye weeks coming up. We're going to go ahead and update you on that this weekend on the Friday show, or we'll have an extra depending on time constraints and whatnot. We're going to make sure that you are updated on what's going on with it again, another heavy bye week in the NFL. So please stay in tune with our show, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. But as always, my friend, just so great having you on the show. Great having you a part of the program. Happy Halloween and a safe Halloween to everybody out there. And any last thoughts on the way out? No, man, I, it's it's great being on the show. I love what you guys do. It's good to be a part of it. Happy Halloween, my friend, and just have a safe one as well. Thank you, you too. And thanks again for being part of the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. <laughs> Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the show. This is Gerald once again from the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is that time of the year when the spooks are out, the ghosts are milling about, the monsters could be right around the corner lurking right behind you to jump out at you and scare you. But it is also a time for horror movies. Halloween is in theaters right now, just exploding all over the place, doing so well two weeks in. But also we have another great thing going on, and that is Halloween. For so many people, it is such a great time. It's their favorite time of the year, whether it's dressing up or if it's just watching horror movies. A guy here to tell me about his picks for the top five horror movies you want to catch is our resident horror expert. He hosts the show named Honey Queen. You got to catch it today on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 20 to 30 different outlets. It is my good friend and a show that I mean really, really that you got to catch in Honey Queen. It is the host, Jason Todd Feinberg. What's up, my friend? Oh, thank you for the intro. It just feeds the ego. Yeah, Halloween seems to be kicking off in full form this year. We have the John Carpenter re-sequel, requel, where apparently, boy, he really didn't want Halloween 3 to be part of any type of continuity. Apparently, all the Halloweens, including the Rob Zombie, mean nothing. Because apparently, with this Halloween 2018, it is the definitive sequel now, if Carpenter says so itself. Although that kind of sucks because John O'Pleasance is dead, so I don't know how they're going to do this. That I'm not sure how either, but it is doing well as far as audiences are concerned. The reviews are very strong. So I'll tell you, my friend, it looks like at least this reboot, and you know how Hollywood is with making reboots and whatnot, just going ahead and and putting something out there, wiping out a certain portion of history that wasn't truly as profitable as they would like, and just going back to the original or rebooting the from the original and just going from there and Looks like that's what they're doing with the Halloween. Now, will it lead into successive movies? Not sure, but this is also a great time of year to check out some favorite horror movies that are out there. I know you've got five that you've got on the tip of your tongue that you want to go ahead and spread out to the people. And as our resident horror movie expert, you got to lay it in on me, man. What are your top five picks for some horror movies? This was a tough one because I don't know if these are going to be cemented or not, but I'm just, I'll save a couple honorable mentions because some of them just deserve a pedestal on the Scarecrow or on the Pike or wherever you want to put it. They're in a class by themselves. But these five, I feel people don't either talk about them that much or respect them that much. And I understand millennials, they're so concerned about, you know, special effects and jump scares. But these top five movies I'm going to discuss and the honorable mentions have a place in my heart. So without further ado, number five, we lost Toby Hooper and the way that George Romero gave us zombies from Night of the Living Dead, Toby Hooper gave us cannibals. And it was during a time when 
people were sick of werewolves and zombies and and all that and he decided to make a different type of horror film and the texas chainsaw massacre the original is probably the most interesting horror movie i've ever seen because we don't care about the victims we don't this this is probably the first one that i saw where it's people dying one by one and we're more interested in the villains than we are with these characters you have a group of teenagers that are traveling through texas to find an old house that belonged to one of the uh, kids grandparents and they find that it's abandoned but before they get to the house they come across a gas station where we have the cook that's pretty much what he's known as he's passed away since Pretty much telling them that if you go to abandoned houses or houses that don't belong to you, people will let you know that you don't belong there. And one by one, these kids just disappear. I don't want to give too much away. It's also given us one of the more interesting slashers, Leatherface. Possibly one of the more sensitive of slashers, I might add as well. This is a different type of slasher, a different type of slasher film. It's more about desperation and... Yeah, there is that build-up to the dinner scene, the most famous of all scenes in any horror film. But I think why it holds a place in my heart is not only what I explained a few minutes ago, is because what it was able to get away with in the 70s. And, and this was during a time when you really didn't have a thorough rating system. It wasn't until PG-13 came out until 1985 or six after Temple of Doom. So I definitely feel that the – now, there, the sequels, I will say that 2 to 4 for Texas Chainsaw are guilty pleasures, and I would stay away from the 21st century versions because they were rebooted and rebooted again and rebooted a third, three times, I believe. They're just – they don't get the punch of what the original had to do with the Soria family. So definitely number 5. For number four, I'm putting in one zombie movie, and there are a lot of them out there besides Romero. And I know a lot of people want me to discuss that Italian zombie movie simply named Zombie, and I have not seen it to this date, but the one non-Romero zombie movie besides Return of the Living Dead is a film called Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. This was, it was in the 70s, you know, usual, but this kind of almost felt like Evil Dead before Evil Dead became a thing. It deals with a group of theater actors that are asked to go on this retreat with a flamboyant theatrical director, and they go to the fictional island that's away from Manhattan, and the director claims that he has a book that can literally wake the dead. And it just turns out that he has some other stagehands that dress up as zombies and it just turns out to be like this special party that he just put together but what happens is is that even though he got this book of spells they literally raise the dead and it's not copying Night of the Living Dead so much it's in color and it's not even copying Dawn of the Dead what I appreciate about this movie is that it takes itself in Night of the Living Dead territory where it's taken a lot more seriously. And it's not like you have the angry father and you have the stoic truck driver and you have the blonde that believed in God and now has gone out of her mind. The dead have come back and ripped her brother to pieces like in the original Night of the Living Dead. This one, they're trapped on an island in the middle of nowhere where there really is no way of escape. There is a character that aims that she has some sort of psychic power since she can talk to the dead. It's got another really interesting ending. It's very low budget, but if you can find it, it's on YouTube, Children of the Living Dead. Number three is the another original that's a classic, and, and this has been remade a few times, but I'm going to go with the original 50s version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And that's because when I saw Gremlins, I remember Gizmo watching a clip of this movie before the Mogwais eat after midnight and they turn into the pods and, you know, yada, yada, yada. 
And I thought it was just that clip is just made up for gremlins just to, you know, insinuate that the Magwise are here and they're going to turn into pod things or whatever. But then I saw the end credits because I love watching the end credits and I love listening to the theme song of Gremlins, you know, Invasion of Body Snatchers. And then also there was this VHS tape that my mother had got me about with Vincent Price. And it, it was kind of like part watching clips of old movies and part trivia game. And there was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's cut and dry. It's Kevin McCarthy. I knew him from UHF as well as a... Twilight Zone and Tales on the Crypt episode that are classics. He is a doctor that goes back to a fictional California suburban town that you have to drive through a tunnel it's behind the mountains somewhere. And he finds out that people around him are strange, or they have no emotions. And it turns out that this plant life from outer space has come down and settled in. And when the town goes to sleep, they wake up and they're pod people that have one goal and one goal only, survival. That's pretty much it. But what I appreciate about this movie is not because it takes place in the 50s. It has to do with the fact about isolation and having one goal and trying to escape and not to conform. And the only way that you can escape is not falling asleep. And that's something that even for an elderly person is hard to do. It was pretty much nightmare on Elm Street before Elm Street. And what's worse is that when people are turning into these pod people... It's hard to tell who's conformed and who hasn't, and you don't know who to trust. There are some great moments in fear when McCartney has his girlfriend, and she turns into a pod person, and, and he just has this look of fear on his face, like, the only person he's loved is now an alien. What do I do now? It, it has that memorable moment towards the end where McCartney is on a highway in California yelling, you're next. I know they've remade in the 70s with Donald Sutherland and everybody remembers that moment where the dog has the human face and the aliens make that high-pitched noise. I've seen the 90s version once and I know there's a 2011 version with Kidman, but the original still is the best just for the, you know, the Thurman score and the atmosphere and the McCarthy acting. I think it's probably the best performance he's ever given. And I like the fact that in... The 70s version, he not only has a cameo running around going, you're next, you're next. Before he passed away a few years ago, he had a cameo in Looney Tunes Back in Action. They were arresting bad aliens like Marvin the Martian. They were actually protecting good aliens. They actually come across Kevin McCarthy walking around with, what else, but a pot, saying, you're next. So it was a nice little homage. Number two, and this almost became number one, and I feel that this one really should have won for Best Animated Feature at the Oscars in 09, and that's Coraline. And Coraline came out, I think, in February or March of 2009, and it, the, the, the problem with Coraline is that it was just too good, I feel, that it was directed by Henry Selleck, who gave us Nightmare Before Christmas, and it was written by Neil Motherlove and Gaiman. I've watched the movie more times than I can count, it's a take on Alice in Wonderland. It's pretty much a little girl. Family moves to Oregon from Michigan. She's now in this house where there are two other, I guess it's other apartments in this house. It's, it's hard to explain. But she's bored and she comes across a door that's hidden behind her dresser. And it takes her to an alternate reality where she meets her other mother with buttons on her eyes. And I would go into the rest of this one, but it's just too good. The animation, again, it, it's Nightmare Before Christmas. It's it's the puppet stop-motion animation. Uh, you have Keith David that, that's better than the Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland. It, it's a much better version of this cat character. And the Kodak Fanning, of course, plays Coraline. It's one of the smarter... I think, more saner versions of alternate realities. And, and basically, it's a smarter version of Wonderland without the drug trip. That That's the best way I'm going to put it. Now, before I go to number one, some quick honorable mentions. As I said before, uh, Night of the Living Dead is on a pedestal by itself by the late, great George Romero. And, of course, there's Return of the Living Dead by the late, great Dan O'Bannon. You have Misery... The adaptation of Stephen King, you have Cat's Eye, 
Pet Cemetery. It was a good year for Stephen King, I think, 80s and 90s. But my number one all-time must-see horror film right now gave me hope for 21st century horror films. Because in a year or a century, or whatever you want to call it, where horror filmmakers are so concerned about the makeup and the special effects and the jump scares and, and, and the box office numbers, they forgot more of the psychological aspects and what makes a great horror character or what creates a, a great atmosphere. And this movie gave me hope, and it came overseas in Hong Kong. And sadly, it's been Americanized with Jessica Alba, which I don't recommend. And Hollywood really tried to Americanize a lot of these Asian horror films, but number one is definitely something to look out for, The Eye. It's this 2003 Hong Kong horror film directed by the Pang Brothers about a violinist who loses an eye during a car accident, and thanks to an organ donor, she gets a new eye, but she sees dead people. Now, it's not so much like M. Light Shyamalan's Sixth Sense. This one, she gets the, the power to see dead people because she gets an eye that belonged to somebody who could see dead people. Now, she has that power. And there are so many great... The pacing is a matter of opinion, but when she encounters these ghosts, it feels a lot more realistic than I would see if they tried to Americanize this. You have one version where she sees a kid in her apartment that's eating candles, asking about his report card, and when she doesn't know where it is, he keeps jumping out of the window. The elevator scene has been, you can YouTube that elevator scene as many times as you want to. And then the pacing kind of goes back and forth, and the third act kind of drags. I know it's on YouTube for a while until they take it off, but yeah, those are the top five. Once again, it is Jason Todd Feinberg from Honey Queen. you got to catch his shows today. That's Honey Queen on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other different podcast outlets. That was a tremendously detailed list, my friend. There is no better expert on the horror genre than you, my friend, out there. And if anybody wants to go ahead and follow Jason Todd Feinberg on social media, Queen, I tell you what, he's very active on Twitter, and you got to follow him there to get the latest and greatest going on on all of his great shows. you got a lot of stuff coming down the pike as well, correct? Yes. As a matter of fact, Kendra, Edward, and myself, we just wrapped up the 2017 review of It!, and that'll be out probably around the time of Halloween. And then we're going to be discussing Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. And then after that, we will be reviewing Coraline. And most likely Nightmare Before Christmas for Christmas time. And then after that, we're going to be getting back to basics where we put this off for a while. Speaking of the superhero genre, Justice League Dark because of Constantine. He's coming back. So we'll be doing that in Season 2 in January of 2019. So we're finishing up this year. And we have a very busy year next year as well. So everything looks good. Honey Queen now available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a zillion different podcast outlets. I really like the fact that you're going to touch on A Nightmare Before Christmas. Josh and I recently did an episode where we touched on it on its 25th anniversary. And this Christmas, it'll be its 25th Christmas. So that's something truly special. Yes, and then we figured it's the 25th anniversary and it'll probably come out on Christmas Day, which would make sense. Jason, it's so great to have you a part of the show each and every time you come aboard. Any questions for Jason, send it to him straight up at Honey Queen, or also you can send us any questions on the horror genre and we can pass along to him at Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. My friend, it's so great to have you on the show as always. You got me uh, looking behind my back here in the dark here, so just want to make sure you're getting, getting all the spooks out. It's always great to have you here. Want to wish you a tremendous Halloween, my friend, and to everyone out there as well, a safe and happy Halloween. Culture. Gerald, thank you again. Oh. oh, thank you as always, my friend. Just great to have you apart. 
of the pop culture cosmos. <laughs> if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to scare everyone one last time. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald along with my good friend, my cohort in crime, and, well, the master perpetrator of the Halloween episode himself. It is Josh Peterson. Just got to let everyone know out there, if you need a listing of where we're at and where we're being played on all around the world, seven days a week, or if you need a listing of any of the podcast outlets that we're on, at least the major ones anyways, just go ahead and head on over to our Game Source or Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page, and there's a schedule listing right there for you. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. Share the goods, my friend. What's going on with Humanica Media? Uh, Topic Ocalypse is going on. Also, it is Halloween. As I said earlier, you should definitely check out Ghost Toasters. But yes, we did drop a brand new episode of the PCC Gamescast, and you can check that out now on the Pop Culture Cosmos YouTube channel, Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and all the usual places. Me and Big Dog break down what games we've been playing, a little talk about Forza and Red Dead and Assassin's Creed and all that good stuff. So definitely check that out. We're also talking about Pokemon and why does Obama hate Pokemon? You know, that's just one of life's greatest mysteries. So definitely look into that if you're curious. I want to thank one more time Jason Todd Feinberg of Hank Green for sharing his thoughts as our horror movie expert. Also as well, Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast for wrapping up week eight in the NFL and a couple of his thoughts on the horror movie genre as well. I want to hear from you, my friend. What are your pick for the top favorite Halloween movies in your world? My number one pick is The Orphanage with Guillermo del Toro. I think he produced this one, but did you ever see this one? No, I have seen the clips, but no, I've not seen the actual whole Moon Tower movie itself. Because this one's interesting in the fact that you can't really tell if it's a horror movie or if it's like a, a mystery movie. But the more you get into it, the more terrifying and intriguing it becomes. And it's only in Spanish, but even with the subtitles, it's still a good movie and it's tragic and like the, there's so much depth and layers to the characters that even like the the ghosts like you sympathize with the ghost and like the the struggles of these children and this lady who's trying to find this lost kid i can't even begin to describe how much i love this movie it is horror it is guillermo del toro leaves his mark on this one even though he didn't actually direct it but it's definitely something i would recommend watching for sure I'll tell you what, I'm getting all scary and all nervous right now. I think it's someone or something is going to jump out at me right now. I want to give a special mention, and this is actually one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen, but it's not in a horror movie, but it's someone I think should be recognized as a top horror movie director. And I've told you this one before, and I think it should be the case because he puts in elements of horror in so many of his non-horror movies and that is Steven Spielberg. Then the scene I'm talking about is in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And if you're a young kid in the early 80s and you were watching, you were freaked out when they're opening up the Ark of the Covenant and the individual Nazis that were there and also the French archaeologists. They got more than an eyeful when it comes to when they open up the Ark of the Covenant. And yes, the special effects on it have aged tremendously and i've seen a behind the scenes video of how they actually created that scene and what did they utilize in it but back in the 80s when you're looking at it on a big screen when you're looking at it as a 13 14 year old you are freaked out when they open the ark of the covenant and what really pops out there 
and what they do to those three individual Nazis that are looking right at it and the horrifying screams and the, the eyes melting and all that stuff and, and the exploding heads and whole nine yards. I was freaked out for days on that. I had images of that, like scary images of that in my brain going forward. And if anybody tells me that Steven Spielberg is not what they would consider a horror movie director, I will show them this scene and have them say otherwise. That's all I'm going to say. Although that to me is the scariest scene ever. Real quick, that pick totally came out of left field. I commend you on that. Like I too remember being scared of that, but that is not something that I would have ever thought to put on a horror movie list. So well done, sir. I've and, told you, my friend, haven't we had this discussion for, but that I really think that he is a horror movie genre specialist and he tries to sneak in elements of horror in a great deal of his movies. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. There are even parts in E.T. that are pretty creepy. But yeah, I get it, dude. And I every there's a lot of stuff in the Indiana Jones movies that is pretty terrifying. Exactly. So and then you know, Temple of Doom with the heart grabbing stuff, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. And and they tried to go ahead and do something a lot tamer when it came to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when they were drinking the cup and drank the wrong cup of Christ and the Holy Grail and whatnot. What happens when you don't drink the right one? Yeah, okay, but that wasn't as freaky because that looked kind of phony. But the original one when you were a young kid, kids now the age when we saw it would probably laugh at it because it looks so hokey dokey, but on a big screen, oh man, it was just so scary. My pick is going to be, and this is something Josh, you and I have spoken about over the years. And I know a lot of people like it as well as a horror flick is Alien and Aliens. And I'm not going to say Alien is my top pick. I'm not going to say Aliens is my top pick. I'm going to say it's a tie. And I think you got to see both those films to really get a true idea of just how horrifying movies can be. Just you got to see them back to back. Like that's how I'd recommend watching them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would. That's that's the way you got to see it. It's Alien and Aliens. I know Alien was mentioned earlier in regards to what was going on in that film and and how it freaked people out with certain scenes, the John Hurt scene as far as the the alien coming out of his chest and whatnot. But to me, it doesn't feel complete unless you see Aliens and you see all the the scary moments that are there as well. I just think that they both fit like one part and a second part of a masterpiece like we will hopefully see coming up with the infinity war part one and whatever they're going to call part two. I just think that in the future years, we will think of it as a complete set. When you watch both, I feel the same way about alien aliens. So that's why it's number one on my list. Carrie nightmare on Elm street, silence of the lambs, all great films. There's so many great horror picks to come out there, but I think when it comes down to it, alien aliens are the two movies you need to see the most. You can forget all about the other Alien movies. And I'm sorry to tell you that, Josh, but you can't forget all the other Alien movies in the franchise. Dude, let me tell you this. So when I the first time I saw the Alien movies was when I think it was a couple months before Alien vs. Predator came out. Okay, so we I had gone and purchased all the because I want to get all the backstory. So I went and bought all the Predator movies and I went out and bought the special edition Alien films. And I got to tell you, man, I was so into alien and aliens and when i got to alien 3 i just i felt disappointed you know is it, it was almost like to 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 show you what i mean like a comparison would be like when i walked out of the last jedi after the movie rolled and that's just like dang man that is not what i was hoping for and that's resurrection correct no that's alien 3 resurrection was even worse okay but, uh, but not i, I lost man. track after that so so yeah, it goes Alien Three, then Alien Resurrection. But even Resurrection was better than Alien Three, you know, because they had already screwed it up. So my expectations for Resurrection were already super low, and it ended up like performing slightly above that. Once again, those are our choices for the top horror picks that you need to see this Halloween. If you have thoughts on what your picks are for this Halloween that maybe we need to see, or our followers and listeners need to see, we'll repost it out there if you want. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well. My friend, it's been a great episode, a very spooky and haunting episode indeed. Any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, guys, be safe out there. It's Halloween night. Be safe. You know, if you're going to go out to a party, 
be responsible. And also, if you're taking your kids trick-or-treating, be responsible there, too. Just it, It's 2018. The world's become weird. Just, just be safe. And we want to make sure you guys are around to listen to the next episode. I couldn't agree with that more. All spookiness and kidding aside, that was just an awesome statement. And as well, I truly wish everyone out there a safe and happy Halloween. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It is a spooky day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We surely thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a spooky and haunted Halloween. <laughs> Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Caster Quest, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle. Soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award winning creator of Hamilton, Lin Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, whatever you're in the mood for. If you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find CasterQuest on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at ESOPodcast.com. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.